Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, your hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alphers. How are those Warriors going to do tonight, Zach? Ooh, they're pissed off. I think both teams are angry. Um, I don't I don't really care win or lose. I think uh, just pulling out that game one was amazing. Um, so I really, honestly, I think it's a must win from Memphis side because the next two games are going to be out here in chase center. So uh, I just hope, I just hope it's competitive. Um, I think it's going to be a really physical game. I just hope no one gets hurt. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't really care which team wins either. I just hope that they have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, I don't care about the fun. I just want everyone to get home, you know, safe and healthy. Um, It's going to be a dogfight. The reason I said I don't care is because we already pulled out one. Um, so in my eyes, this is a must win for Memphis. Um, yeah. So I, I expect their best shot. And I think it might be a quick series if if the Warriors are able to pull this one off. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Play? How's the new it's, place? It's coming along. Um, I'm actually still in Berkeley. This is the last time I'm hoping to ever have to do this here. Actually, my, my internet is getting transferred tomorrow. So it is going to be the final shock therapy podcast out of berkeley so good news i, I really like this new spot um it's a lot of fun it, right in the middle of town uh but secluded enough like the 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 street that i'm on isn't very well traveled but i'm right in the middle of everything i want to do and it's a 10 minute drive from work instead of a uh, hour and 20 minute drive so that is all good things well that means you're going to be getting home a lot sooner to do this podcast uh, I gotta, yeah. I gotta ask you, man. You were working all weekend, just, just uh, moving. How did you end up watching the draft? Because it just did not seem like you had any time to talk at all. It didn't. Um, well, 
So Thursday, I watched the first 11 picks. Well, I, I didn't really technically watch. I had my phone plugged in because I drove. I was driving back to Berkeley from Sacramento. So I watched the first 11 picks on my phone plugged in to the loud, like the audio, uh, like the auxiliary cord. So I, I listened. I, I kept my eyes on the road. Okay, everybody. Um, so I, I listened through the commentary for like the first 11 picks, and then I watched the second part of the first round. Friday we had like a batting practice event um, at the field for some of our, our, our prospective season ticket members. Um, and so we watched most of the draft on the scoreboard in center field. Um, Saturday, I was watching off of my phone. Um, I was in the process of moving, trying to check as often as I could. I didn't actually get to watch any of that. I was just watching uh, ESPN ticker. Good pick. It, you know, picks that would come across that would catch my eye. I would do a little more um, research on, but yeah, I didn't get to watch the the day three at all. Uh, day two was on was it was cool, but I was busy. Um, and then day one, I, I was half and half, half driving, half watching it. So I I tried my best. You know, I love football. I love the draft, uh, but I was busy. You know, work comes first right now. So I made it work. Uh- yeah, if, as long as you made it work, right? Um, I got the chance to go to SoFi Stadium to watch the first round. Yeah. I took my little brother. My little brother's not that big of a, uh, a sports fan. He wears a, an old 56 Kenneth Murray jersey that I, I handed him that's become kind of irrelevant now. Uh, but, you know, it's just kind of a way for me to kind of hang out with my brother. I got to see Snoop Dogg perform. Uh, to be yeah. honest, I feel like his mic was much too quiet. Uh, really? the, you could you could hear the the music in the background, but I could not hear a word coming out of this guy's mouth. Uh, they definitely wow. had that music blasted up just a little bit higher than than the the vocals, the audio. Um, but it was like a real intimate crowd, so everybody kind of got on the Chargers side of the field, um, and then there was like a, a tiny little concert. I must we must have been probably like fifty feet away. Uh, from Snoop, and this is a free event, which is like awesome to go and be able to watch Snoop Dogg uh, for free. Uh, it was pretty cool. They brought on um, uh, Keenan Allen is the one that ended up kind of like bringing him out. Uh, they interviewed Chris cool. Rumpf. Uh, they interviewed Justin Herbert, um, and then it got really like quiet and kind of just boring. Like that, there wasn't really much going on after. Uh, or before the concert, before the concert, I know they had a, a season ticket upgrading event. Uh, to be honest, it, there's not very many season tickets left in the entire stadium. Um, and there's no good seats like at all, unless you want to pay $50,000 for a stadium seat license or you want to be up in the nosebleeds up in the 500 section. Uh, so there's not much out there at all for season ticket holders if you want uh, some decent seats and not pay an arm and a leg. Uh, for them but you know it I, I kind of wish uh, my brother was a bigger sports fan because I could have like had a lot more fun with the draft uh, and I'm, I actually really didn't like what they did with the draft in particular so uh, they did a lot of like interviews with players and, and different people uh, but you know I kind of wanted to watch the draft right and I kind of wanted yeah. them to throw it up on the uh, the, the big board and just like have us watch it there, which would have been cool. Uh, but 
it was more, I don't know, I, I think at times they're trying to be intimate with the crowd. Uh, but I, I wanted some of the analysis. Like after a pick was made, I, I wanted that kind of analysis. And uh, they did not really give that much of the analysis. Uh, leading all the way up until the Chargers ended up picking Zion Johnson. But it was pretty boring after the Snoop Dogg concert, uh, where I don't necessarily know if I would go back um, unless I went back with like you know a group of friends or something like that. But for me, I, I think I much rather would have stayed at home uh, and watched the draft from like my couch and been able to like. I don't know, not analyze every pick because I don't, I don't really go that deep into it, but to, to yeah. kind of watch the analysis because uh, that was way more interesting to me than uh, listening to Chris Rumpf talk. You know what I mean? It's just. Well, that's the whole point of the draft is the analysis and, and l- hearing what the experts have to say. So uh, that's a big part of it. I'd say about 50%. Yeah, I, I just, it was cool. All right. I, I got the chance to go. Uh, it's a free event, and again, you get to see Snoop Dogg perform. But overall, I think that, like, especially right after the Snoop Dogg thing happened, it just got really, like, quiet and, like, boring. Yeah, well, I mean, how do you follow a, a free Snoop Dogg show? I, I, I get that the audio was, was low, but I feel like that's because everybody knows every lyric to all their favorite Snoop Dogg songs. Yeah, so it was, like, me singing to myself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get paid for that at least? No, I, I did not get paid. Matter <laughs> of fact, my little brother is in college, so I was definitely buying all the beer and everything, uh, which is fine. I don't really care all that much, but I, I don't know. It was a cool way for me to hang out with my little brother for a little bit um, and just kind of get out of the house and just kind of sucks that I drive three hours to get there. Yeah, that's a haul for you. <laughs> it's three hours. Uh, with traffic, when oh, you get into right. L.A., yeah, and this was a, a Thursday, so gotcha. you know the event started at three o'clock, and yeah. you know right, ar- right, right around right. the time you get there, you start running into that rush hour traffic. That yeah, that's prime time for your uh, bump and go. Yeah, it is. But let's go ahead and talk about the draft a little bit. Uh, I wanted to get your take on a couple of different uh, things that end up happening. Let's first and foremost, what do you think about all the quarterbacks going super super early in this draft, man? Well, I mean, I thought we kind of alluded to it on our draft, our mock draft. Um, I thought they were going to go a lot lower than you, but not the sleeper mode um, that they were taking at. I, I was expecting towards the end of the first round, second round to get them picked, you know, start picking up. Um, these teams were very, very forward with how they um you know, we're talking to media members, talking uh, to in interviews. They were not very high on these guys. And, and at the most important position in the NFL right now, uh, the fact that we only had, was it only one in the first two rounds? Maybe two? In the first three rounds. So, yeah. Uh, and I think I think the second quarterback off the board was Desmond Ritter, which is Ritter, right? super interesting to think that he fell to the third round. So... The at 20th overall, the Steelers ended up taking um, the pit. Uh, you still there? Yeah, Kenny Pickett. Okay, you yeah, Kenny Pickett. You froze for a second. Uh, what? So, what's up? No, I was I was freezing again. I was just kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with me, man. <laughs> so they took Kenny Pickett. 
and then nobody got drafted again until like way later. Um, so like Sam Howell, I don't even think got drafted until like the seventh round, sixth round. Um, you had Matt Corral, I think went right around the third or fourth round. Like a lot of these, these quarterbacks, man, they, they fell a lot further. And I knew that they, 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 they shouldn't have gone high, but I mean, quarterback is such a needy position and it was really surprising to see the first five picks off the board and it, they were all just defensive players. It was just yeah. kind of interesting to see how it all unfolded. I mean, there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of question. I mean, just surprising picks. Stingley before sauce was like the first. Whoa. I think they kicked it off. Number one with Trayvon Walker. I was like, we heard we were, we are hearing a lot about that buzz, but still it caught me off guard that that was the number one overall pick. Um, and then the first receiver didn't come off until later in the draft, later than I was expecting. And then it was just, it seemed like for eight consecutive picks, it was receiver, receiver, receiver. You had um, Philly trading out of the 18th pick to land uh, AJ Brown. Um Titans come into the 18th Let's talk pick. About and those great. two. There's wow. two wide receivers traded for first round draft picks. That was kind of insane, right? And neither of them are Debo Samuel. Um, very surprising. I thought we we were ex- I was expecting at least one, and I was expecting it to be Debo. The fact that it was two receivers in the first round, not named Debo Samuel, was surprising to me. Um, and then that the first one, it was what was the first pick? I, I'm, I'm the first trade Trayvon, before. Tra- oh, the first trade. I mean, it didn't happen until like, like the 11th pick or something like that. Uh, yeah, I finally it, got it to pull up. Um, it was like the, Fal- it, it I thought was it was the Falcons. Like, it might've been the Falcons uh, for whatever reason. I can't get anything to load right now. Um, okay. I got it pulled up here. So, uh, Atlanta went Drake London. The Seattle went Charles Cross. Uh, oh, the first trade was Washington trading with New Orleans. New Orleans yeah. taking Lave. That so that was yes. the first trade, and then it just seemed to be like trade after trade after. There were so many trades in front of the Chargers. The Ravens stayed, and and so the Eagles traded up for Jordan Davis, which. He was going to the Ravens, and then the Ravens ended up taking Kyle Hamilton as the best player on the board. Texans traded up to get Kenyon Green, which was actually like terrifying to me because, I mean, next two picks, we'll get into it. Uh, the Commanders who had ended up trading back, taking wide receiver Jahan Dotson, and then the Chargers sat, took Zion Johnson, and then it was more like you had the Titans take Traylon Burks, which is like the split edge of A.J. Brown in terms of like – yeah play style uh and saints sat and took trevor penning but like it was just like trade player taken trade player taken trade player taken and it was really surprising to see the run of wide receivers right off the bat yeah it it just came out of nowhere and i don't know man it was crazy to just see all of that movement happen right in front of us and then staley said in his press conference there was like, he didn't get any phone calls. It was like super quiet. Like nobody wanted to trade with the Chargers. Yeah. I, well, and at that point, yeah, they were just in a funky spot. Everyone got their guy at that point or 
their guy, they had several of their guys in line to fall to them. So we were just in kind of a funky, in a funky draft right in the middle picking. Um, it ended up working out for us. I think we got a great player um, who fills a, a huge need for us. But let's talk yeah. about that real quick then. So, like, what are your thoughts on Zion Johnson to the Chargers? I mean, I'll be honest. Um, when I first saw the pick, I was totally excited. I was like stoked. Like, yeah, let's go and get ourselves yeah. a guard on a five-year contract, shore up the offensive line. But the stadium, when that pick was announced, was dead right. silent. Yeah, it's one of those, like, I, I think we, as fans, we just kind of got greedy. Uh, maybe not greedy, but spoiled off of last offseason where we had a really loud uh you know, free agent period, then follow that up with two slam dunk picks with Rayshon Slater and um, Asante Samuel. Oh, Asante Samuel. I'm talking about last year. And so I think, and then, and you know, that was like an extra emphasis off of a really good free agent period. I think this year we'd stop, we completely, we have an amazing free agent acquisition. And so I think fans were already like, okay, it's going to be like the same type of thing. We're going to, you know, put that exclamation point on the off season with an even high profile draft picks. Zion Johnson is not the high profile draft pick, but it makes much more sense because we're rounding out the roster. The superstars are there. We have the superstars. And so I think it's just, I really liked our draft and there's many picks where I felt I was very, I was questioning it. I wasn't as excited about it until you do the research until you figure out, Oh, okay. This is what, this is what the role that this guy is playing. This, this draft for the chargers was m- much more depth piece and filling out the roster because we have this, the superstar talent at the top of the depth chart. Um, so I think I, I get it. Why? People weren't super excited at, you know, a guard. But I got to go back to what Tom Telesco is saying. You know, guards are people too. They're a very valuable position. And we got a really good one, arguably the best guard in the entire draft class. I, I'm i really excited about Zion Johnson. Just pairing Zion Johnson with Rayshon Slater for the next four seasons at the very minimum, we're going to resign Rayshon Slater. Both should be 10-year veterans in this league and – it would be a shame if not all of those seasons are with the LA Chargers protecting for the superstar to come and Justin Herbert. You know, the Zion Johnson pick, you should be really excited about it because if be your excited. primary if your primary focus is protecting Justin Herbert, this is the best interior player to go ahead and do it. Zion Johnson fills three roles for this Chargers team. Number one, He's strong, dude. Like, he is a mauler. He is extremely, extremely strong. Uh, And, I mean, he put up 33 reps on bench press, which I think was the most among all interior offensive linemen. The Um, most by any prospect, period. It was 32, but it doesn't matter. He's the strongest guy to show up at Indy. So, like, he's like a mauler. Like, he's paving running lanes. And he did a lot for Boston College. Boston College really focused heavily on their run game. And they ran to that left side where he ended up playing quite a bit. And he he ended up taking care of his business, creating those rushing lanes. Second, he's an extremely good pass protector. He's got 34-inch arms. This guy is able to, to really reach out and use his leverage, especially with those arms, to protect the quarterback. 
Uh, he's got good feet. He's instinctual, which really brings me to that third thing that, that I absolutely love about Zion Johnson is the, the mental makeup, the brain. Mm-hmm. Even outside of him being the, the brainiac, he, I mean, this guy does code. He's got yeah. C++ certification. <laughs> he's got uh, he's CompTIA. Like he's like a, a really building computers. Like that's what he does. And he's talking about, I, I watched a couple of interviews with him. This guy's a nerd. Like he he's, is. A, he's a They're nerd. Very just he's a well put nerd. together. Uh, I like the mental makeup. I like the the physical tools that he has, uh, the size. He's a heavy dude. He's a mauler in the run game. He's got everything you want out of an offensive lineman, including the the mental makeup, which is probably the most important aspect of it because he's so much further ahead than anybody else uh, in this draft in terms of, of that, all the makeups and everything together. I think this is a very, very safe pick because I think he's a first-round draft pick with a high ceiling and a high floor. And that's a win-win combination for you right up front. So I'm never going to be worried about this guy getting any kind of trouble off the field unless he's hacking into the U.S. government system uh, or something along those lines because I I think that he's just a a really smart player overall. And I'm just stoked that we ended up taking uh, a player that really – he's a trenches type of player. And, I mean – you go back to the last time the Chargers had a really good in, interior offensive line, Chris Dealman, Nick Hardwick. You know, you yeah. have to go pretty far back there to take a look at, at, at those days when we had a really strong offensive line like that. It's, a, it's time. You know, it's time. Uh, TT picked an offensive lineman first round and way back in 2013 when he took DJ Fluker. Uh, that didn't pan out. And I, I don't know if it put a bad taste in his mouth because he's neglected the position in the first round since. We went t- linemen in each of the last two seasons in round one, and it's because we got a, a quarterback to protect. You know, no offense, Philip Rivers. Tom Telesco didn't feel I, – I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But we're talking about Zion Johnson. You mentioned the arms, 34-inch arms. Just to put that in perspective, the average tackle – arms are 34 and a one eighth inch for tackle you're you're talked about if you have smaller arms that we're going to bump you inside to guard now we got a guard with tackle arms and all the strength to go with with it and he's played in so many different types of schemes you know he started his career at davidson where he was a first team all conference selection as as a sophomore paced the way for that wild card offense which was like a a triple option offense led the FCS with 443 yards per game, and most of that was Zion Johnson paving the way. He's one of the most versatile linemen in this entire class. And at, when he went to Boston College, started 30 games, 18 at left guard, 12 at left tackle, and this was one of my favorite players out of the Senior Bowl, named practice player of the week for his work at Mobile, mostly because he was staying late, working on his snap, which he never did in college, and he came out in that Senior Bowl game and played extremely well at center. So I think it's an immediate upgrade at right guard is where we're talking about playing him. But it provides excellent depth along, um, you know, at, at all five positions. Staley, I, he does not like to tinker with that offensive line, switching guys around. But flexibility is key. We've added a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. This entire draft is you, you can't really peg any of these prospects into one area they are all very versatile zion johnson in nearly two 
1,300 career snaps to Boston College, allowed one sack, did not allow a single other pressure last season. And besides that, unlike Trevor Penning, only had one penalty called on him the entire all of last season. You know, a lot of people wanted Trevor Penning. This is the refined, the more what you said safe pick, but I just think it's a better pick overall because it just kind of it, it it's a guy you can build around, a guy that is a great locker room presence. And he's an excellent athlete. We talked about his strength. He was the fourth fastest lineman in the three cone. His 32 inch vertical was the fourth highest amongst linemen. Great hand movement. He uses those long arms to just keep defenders off of him. And right now, with how if we can figure out uh, some type of solution at right tackle, Herbert's going to have all time to throw the ball. Eckler and company are going to have massive holes to run through. And with Zion Johnson's athleticism, we are going to be an absolute nightmare in the screen game. Something he did a lot of in college, paving the way off the screen game. I can't wait to watch a little body like Eckler get lost behind this massive frame. And Zion Johnson at 6'3", 312 pounds, something like that. He's a big dude, and I'm excited to watch him get to work. Uh, and then before we, we move off of um, Zion Johnson, you take a look at kind of what was available after him. There's not very many players that I think are, you know, I'm looking really close at trading out of this situation here. Uh, the only two players left on the board that I personally would be okay with us drafting at that at, at 17 with who was available. Uh, and I really thought Jermaine Johnson, the fact that he lasted to 26 is like that was insane crazy. anyways. But he's one player that I would have drafted at that spot, and the other player would have been Trent McDuffie. Yeah. But Zion Johnson fills a massive, massive need. We don't have a, a right guard, and I know we've been flirting with the idea of bringing back Odea Bushi, but if they really thought that he was the answer, they would have signed him. Absolutely. They would have signed him. Uh, and so they didn't believe that he was the answer. You have two edge rushers who could potentially be defensive player of the year candidates along with a some sort of depth. Uh, and we'll talk more probably about the whole state of the roster at a later date, but Chris Rump as an, as a edge three, uh, how valuable do you necessarily think that Jermaine Johnson is as a first rounder? I think that the talent is there for sure, but there isn't mm-hmm. a strong need for it today. Right. Uh, I think that there is close to, to a need there, uh, looking at the age of, of you know, um, our new edge rusher we just tra- traded for. What's his name? Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Uh, I, but I don't think that's a need that is needed this year. And the only other player being our cornerback, Trent McDuffie, uh, the other cornerback. Uh, Trent McDuffie would have been a great pick for us. I think that he would have filled a massive hole there. But the Chargers mm-hmm. just signed a cornerback today. They had three starting caliber corners on the roster going into the draft. And then they end up taking some late round developmental players there. I think J- Zion Johnson fills a need, is worth every bit of that 17th overall pick, and is going to be a core piece of this offensive line for years to come. Well, and I think that's huge to, to, yeah, to, to take into consideration the fact that Zion Johnson is going to get so many more snaps than those two other guys available. Zion or, or Trent McDuffie is your third, maybe your fourth best cornerback. 
he was going to play a role. He's not a starter as of today. James, so I'm totally uh, okay with that pick. Yeah, I'm okay. Jermaine Johnson, I was a huge fan of, and I really was, you know, I saw 17. I saw him falling. I was like, yes, here it comes. And, you know, we got the other Johnson, Zion. And so I'm okay with it because, again, Jermaine Johnson would have been a rotational piece. Zion Johnson, Zion Johnson pick, is yeah. playing every snap next year uh, as long as he, he can stay healthy. And there's no really injury history to allude to. The work ethic is there. So there's really nothing to – question his ability and his availability uh come sundays but i'm excited let's go so did they get the pick right i uh, i think they did now whether now i was excited for both trent mcduffie i was excited for jermaine johnson i didn't give me that let's go type of feeling that the rayshon slater pick did um that you know other picks i got that first, feeling i got it it was you quiet got it though. I got it, but it was, it was quiet. quiet. It was it was kind of suppressed because I was kind of it was also surprising in the same you know at the same time. Um, now that I've let it settled in, hundred percent agree that that was the best pick at seventeen with how the board was falling. We we got a plug and play player. Those other guys, there's no other plug and play player regardless of position left on the board. The Chargers got better after that first round and significantly better, um, if you ask me. Uh, moving over to the third round, we're only going to talk about uh, our first, third, and fourth round draft pick in, in today. Uh, we'll end up breaking down more in depth some of the later round guys because, honestly, we haven't had a chance to really watch them yet. So I don't think it would be a service to you, the listeners, to talk about players that we don't know anything about, right? So with the third round draft pick, the Chargers selected JT Woods. JT Woods was the player that I ended up scouting uh, when we did our safety class, and I loved everything about JT Woods. I thought that his fit in this scheme fit the Chargers and Brandon Staley's defense so well that I had I had them taking him uh, a little bit later. I think I I think uh, I think I had him as a third round draft pick. Uh, I didn't necessarily know whether or not he would go that high, uh, but if you take a look at this guy's skill sets, first of all, a track star. Super yep. fast, fast player. Uh, the next thing I want to take away from him is he takes the ball away. He got I, he led the the college football, all of college football in uh, interceptions. Uh, he's a hitter. Uh, I think that the one area of his game that's lacking a little bit, uh, he doesn't tackle well. Uh, he doesn't break down to tackle well. That's not to say he's not physical because he is very physical. Yeah. He's got the ball skills. Uh, he flies around the football field. Uh, he's always in and around the football. But when he gets left out and trying to make open field tackles, uh, he he's liable to, to miss. Um, I think that he's a very versatile player. I think he can play in the slot. I think that the, the main reason they ended up picking him is because they need somebody else to play in the deep half, yes. deep third of the field. They need a guy that can – be rangy and cover ground quickly because <clears throat> what JT Woods allows your defense to do is move Derwin James back into the slot, back into the box. You look at a Louis Gilman, a Louis Gilman has some versatility to stay deep, but he also has that versatility to come in the box. Uh, same thing with uh, Mark Webb uh, and even Nasir Adderley, who a lot of people pick more as kind of a coverage safety. Uh, but, 
all of those players all play much better near the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. Yeah. And JT Woods has that speed and is rangy enough and gets the turnovers off of tip passes and, and things of that nature, where I think JT Woods is that piece that you can move into the, the, the back end much more often. And that's, yeah, that's why. And at first this one, I was, I was at work um, running batting practice on the field. I saw this one come across the ticker and it, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Safety. I didn't think was a huge need, but I love it now after it's I've let it sink in because of all of those reasons. DJ gets to be the chess piece that we all know him to be. He gets to play in the slot as that big nickel closer to the line of scrimmage where I think he's absolutely at his best. And, you know, adding JT Woods, he's most likely, or at least arguably, now the fastest player on the roster. I know Michael Davis ran a 4-3-4 back in the day. That was in 2017. Now he's played five NFL seasons. I know he's only like 27. He's not old by any means, but it leaves room for Woods being able to surpass him as the fastest guy on the roster because he just ran a 4-3-6 at Indy not too long ago. Now, regardless of who the fastest player in, uh, is on this risk roster, I'm welcoming it because it allows him, out of all of those players, he has the most range in that secondary. He can monitor sideline to sideline. And he had eight, and eight intercepted passes over the last two seasons, recovered four total fumbles uh, during his career. That's that ball you know, productivity that we've been missing. Bolts. The Bolts had 11 interceptions last season. Now, a ball hawk like Woods, along with Mr. INT and um, I call him Mr. INT, uh, and JC Jackson, another, we got JC and JT now back there. Uh, JC Jackson picked off eight passes himself in 2020, 2021. And so that number staying as low as it did in 2021, it, it, with those two players alone, um, it just is a bad bet to think that it's going to be anywhere near there. Uh, this upcoming season. The most impressive thing I think about Woods is that he has tremendous belief and faith in that, in that speed. Like when I see him, he allows the receivers to play. He plays off the receivers just a little bit and he absolutely dares quarterbacks to throw his way. And once that ball leaves their hands, he's up shifting and he's using that speed to get in front of the guy, nab the ball out of the air, and he's very, very dangerous when the ball is in his hands. He had 201 career yards following interceptions. That's nearly like 25 yards per return. He's absolutely dangerous with the ball in his hands. And he brings nice size to a relatively smaller DB room at 6'2", 190 pounds. Now, you, you had some other interesting prospects on the board there with Tariq Woolen, who's the second fastest player at the Combine with a 42640. Um, the top prospect on the board, according to ESPN, during that time of the pick, you had Perrion Winfrey on the board, who would have helped sure up the defensive line. Uh, there's a lot of good edge prospects, which I thought was a bigger need than safety. But I like taking Woods because I'm I, because all three of those guys that we're talking about here are considered a bit of a project. But Woods is not going to be relied on as heavily as those other guys. Um, is, if we did go and take them, and you mentioned his versatility. He spent time in the box. He can cover the slot. He can man up against tight ends. So I think Staley is doing... Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. 
If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. What Staley is doing is he's adding some versatility to this defense, which is absolutely necessary to execute the vision that he has with this Bolts defense to hopefully replicate the success he had with the Rams when they had the league's best defense. Now, I like Mark Webb. I like Aloe Gilman. They just don't have the speed or the instincts to play center field effectively in the deep part of the field like JT Woods does. And so that's why I think this is another great pick, an underrated pick. Um, it's not going to get you, you know, out of your seats, but give it some time. I think it'll sink in uh, because I, I think JT Woods is going to play, um, you know, significant minutes for this defense next year. I think he's definitely going to be playing significant defense next year. And then the year after, and I, I think that this pick, uh, set into motion that not a lot of people are talking about right now. Masir Adderley isn't going to be on this roster uh, after this season. Doesn't look like it. No, so they, they got his replacement. They got somebody who's more rangy, uh, a per- player who also struggles with um, because that's Nasir Adderley has failed time and time again at making open field tackles. Uh, he's made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, he's made his fair share of plays. But I think that the development started a little too late for Nasir Adderley. And I think that drafting JT Woods, you drafted maybe not your starter this year, but definitely your starter next year. JT Woods is going to be the charger starter in the secondary as soon as next season. It's going to be all about his range. I mean, you take a look at like his RAS score, 9.43. Yeah. He had a 39-inch vert. Like that's insane. Get and there's up. not many defensive players that are running in the four threes. You see a lot of wide receivers doing that. But I mean, this guy, if this guy was a car, he'd be a Nissan Skyline. Like he, <laughs> he has a, uh, he has a gear that 
it just takes off. Uh, I, I like everything about the J.C. Woods scheme fit uh, as a player that is, has that versatility. You can bring him into the box. You can play him out deep. You can throw him in cover two, and he's going to get you turnovers, and that is so mm-hmm. important to Staley's defense, getting turnovers. I really like the player. I really like the fit. Uh, and I really like the value that we need up getting him, even if safety isn't the biggest need on the roster. And I also think that there is possibility that he could play corner in a pinch, sure, uh, at least in the slot, but he's got the speed. You brought up Michael Davis a few minutes ago. I mean, this guy is 6'2". Michael Davis is 6'2". But mm-hmm. what he and Michael Davis have in common is is the long speed. What they don't have in common uh, is the the change of direction, the stop and go, and JT Woods has that at his position, which is more of a cornerback trait than it is a safety trait. And this kid yeah. is going to play safety for the Chargers. So overall, I think it's just a great pick through and through. I love the player. I love the pick. I love the scheme fit. And uh, this kid is going to become a star very quickly in the NFL. I just have I have one last thing to say about JT Woods. Just in, in regards to Nasir Adderley, this is a win-win pick uh, for the Chargers. Where you know, best case scenario, Nasir Adderley puts it all together like we've been hoping he would uh, since he's been on the team, and he forces us to re-sign him. Then you can't have too many good DBs, especially with all of the great receivers that are now playing in the AFC West. Worst case scenario, you are you are allowing you can easily let Nasir Adderley walk because you have his replacement already signed in JT Woods with one year of development, and he's only going to continue to be better from there. So, in that sense, I think it's a win-win situation for the Chargers. I'll take you even one step further. He has a breakout year. He's too expensive for the Chargers to sign. He signs to elsewhere and, and nets the Chargers a third or fourth round draft pick as a compensatory pick. That's also a win scenario. That's a win-win-win. That's three wins. I don't know if you've been keeping track at home. That's three wins. (laughs) Uh, With the Chargers' fourth-round pick, uh, I had to let this grow on me. Uh, The Chargers selected Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. I'll let you get your first dibs on Isaiah Spiller. and Tell me, what are your thoughts on on the pick? Yeah, I I like it. Again, I think every single one of these picks, it, it had to take me a little bit to grow on me, but I like Isaiah Spiller, a patient runner, very smooth, extremely efficient in his footwork. And I think the guy could probably join the Air Force if he wanted to, because he has absolutely outstanding 2020 vision, even better than 2020. I don't know what's better than 2020, but I know there is an option to have better than 2020 vision. And that's what Isaiah Spiller has when he's running the football. He used all of that to his advantage. He never had a season less than a thousand all-purpose yards. He's had at least twelve hundred scrim- scrimmage yards the past two seasons. He, during his three years in college, averaged twelve hundred yards per season. And during that time frame, the fourth best in all of FBS leads all players in Power Five conferences. And he was doing that against some really tough competition, playing at Texas A&M. And on carry to carry basis, extremely efficient, five point five yards per carry. Had a career 26 touchdowns. And as a fourth round selection, I think this is probably the Chargers' best bargain pick out of the entire draft. You know, a guy was considered a top 70 to 75 overall prospect. And the Chargers got him at 
with the 123rd overall pick. And so I, I just hope that he actually emerges as this number two option behind Eckler that we've been needing for a very long time. And at the very least, it brings some great depth, you know, adding him to the room with Larry Roundtree along with Joshua Kelly. I think that all both of those guys are going to compete with Spiller this offseason for that backup role. But I, I want Spiller to just run away with it because I, I just think he's a much more polished receiver than either of those. He had 74 receptions, 585 receiving yards in college. Uh, Roundtree had 289 receiving yards over four years at Missouri. Kelly had 260 yards and uh, only in two years. But Spiller racked up 585 over three seasons, nearly eight yards per reception, which the Chargers love to throw the ball to the receiver. So just from that standpoint, I think he has a you know a head start without even taking a snap in offseason in a Charger uniform. I think he has a head start on becoming that number two option that we need. Now, as a runner, I, I like Spiller. He doesn't dance much. You know, he lets his box get in front of him. He gets upfield fairly quickly. And at the very least, I think it just gives the at the very least, he's not gonna use lose yards for you. He he's a guy who falls forward. So I think it just incentivizes the Chargers to at the very least give Eckler a break. You know, I, I want him to not be burned out by the fourth quarter when we need his, you know, home run touchdown scoring ability. And I, I just want a reliable backup option. And that's exactly what Spiller was during college, a reliable player. He played 35 out of the 35 Texas A&M football games over the last three years. So the ability to play through bumps and bruises, I think speaks to his toughness. He's very, very consistent. And he's a top 70 overall player that you got at 123. I think that's terrific value. I would say most analysts had Isaiah Spiller as the number three ranked running back. Um, a lot of people had him pegged going kind of toward the end of the second round, uh, potentially mm-hmm. in the third round. This is a player that fell to the fourth round. I think that, one, it fills a need. Uh, the Chargers need a reliable RB2. They've been looking for a couple of seasons for a power back since Melvin Gordon left. Yep. And you got a player who is very similar to Melvin Gordon. If you look at the size and the running uh, style, uh, runs kind of tall, kind of high, more of a power back, uh, throws a shoulder down, uh, but he's a guy that's going to run over people. I think he is an ugly runner, if that makes sense. Right? Does that you, you understand what I'm saying with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's an ugly yeah. runner. Like he I've does never he... heard that phrase, but it, it's super, super fitting. Um, I didn't know that. I love that phrase, but now it might be one of my new favorite phrases. <laughs> and what I, what I mean by that is, like, like he doesn't look very agile. Uh, but he is a little bit – he's got a jump cut. Uh, he's not a, a shaker, right? He's not a, but he has this, like, he's going to run in one direction. He's going to plant. It's going to look super ugly and he's going to run the, the opposite direction. And it's, it's going to be a cut, but it's not like a smooth cut. It's a very ugly disruptive and it works. Honestly, it works. And I went back and I watched six games over since we drafted him because I was a player that scouted Isaiah Spiller again, I think when we did the running backs episode and I said, I did not like him. And a matter of fact, if I was to go and take a look at my running backs list, uh, I ended up scouting 17 total running backs, and I had Isaiah Spiller ranked as the 11th 
running back that I liked. Wow. In terms of me liking him, I think that he is more, I guess, um, I, I think that he's better. I just don't like his running style is kind of what it came out to be. Uh, but fair. I think that for what the Chargers need is a, a good power back, a between-the-tackles player who, who can take some damage, take some some carries off of Austin Eckler, uh, give you something different than Austin Eckler provides to you. Um, and a guy that you're going to need to milk the clock, you you got a potential starter, a reliable RB2 uh, who's able to take a load if you need him to take, you know, 15 carries a game. He can do that for you. Uh, and you got him in the fourth round. So you got value. You got the player you've been looking for. Um, he's got decent vision. Uh, and he's just a good character player, which is totally in the Tom Telesco style of of draft picks. Uh, I, I, I like the player. I like the pick. I just don't like how ugly he looks running the ball. Who cares? Who cares how ugly he looks if he's going to, you know, give us four or five touchdowns a year. And I, I, I don't really even care if the productivity comes just somebody that the coaching staff believes in to warrant Austin Eckler getting a break because for whatever reason, they don't believe in Larry Roundtree. They don't believe in Joshua Kelly. They did not, at least last season. Um, and you saw Austin Eckler by like week four or five go down on some some shoestring tackles that were very uncharacteristic to him. And I think it plays back to you know what he said at the end of the year, that he was burnt out, that he was tired, that that was a, a rough season on him. And I don't want him to have – because he's at his best when – he can take a, a, a drive off here and there when he can come in fresh. And when he's when he's fresh, he is absolutely lethal. There aren't very many people in this league right now with, you know, the demise that we're seeing of Christian McCaffrey um, who are as versatile as Austin Eckler. I think Debo Samuel is the most versatile. Um, and then I think you have to put Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler right below the uh, Debo in, in that conversation and they play running back. So it, it's a much more physical position. The reason why Debo is apparently crying for more money and uh, doesn't want to play in the Shanahan offense. Eckler at least is built for it, right? A very strong guy who lives and breathes and dies in the weight room. So I think they're both him and Kamara are more built for it. If Isaiah Spiller can just gain the faith of this coaching staff and just take 20, 25% of the snaps away from Eckler, that's a plus. Regardless of the productivity comes, I think if the predict productivity comes on top of it, uh, that's just that's just added bonus. Uh, before we close this episode, I kind of want to go back to the third round real quick. So like I said, JT Woods was the Chargers' third round draft pick. Uh, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on other players that – were available that you may have taken over JT Woods, or do you think it was the right pick? Uh, and to kind of name a few, uh, Travis Jones went literally three picks before JT Woods, which is yeah. insane that Travis Jones fell that far. Uh, that would a huge pick. Bernard Raymond went in the third round. A lot of people had him kind of as a sleeper first-round draft pick, ends up falling to, within two picks of JT Woods. Uh, right after JT Woods, uh, I really like the tight end, Greg Dol Dulcich. 
I don't see it as a very big need, but I think that the value is there. Um, I think that I think that we will talk a little bit about what our in division rivals did. Uh, the Denver Broncos ended up getting Greg Desolch, uh, but maybe we'll say that for a couple uh, episodes from now. Uh, the Eagles had Nakobe Dean in the third round. I think there's a lot of value there. Uh, who else went in the third round? Jalen Tolbert went to the Cowboys in um, the 24th uh, pick of the third round. I'm trying to look at some more. Dylan Parham, uh, Rashad White, Sean Runyon, um, and Majay Sanders. So, like, those are some of the players that kind of went into the third round. I wanted to get your thoughts. Is there a player that you would have taken over JT Woods kind of in the next, you know, 15 picks or so. Yeah. Well, on the board, on the board there, um, I think I, I, I mentioned it a little bit, but at, at that point in time, you know, Tariq Woolen was a, a cornerback that I talked about in our cornerback episode. He was still there. And I know he's very, very raw, um, but I, I liked being able to add a guy who runs a sub, you know, a sub four, three, like a four, two and a half 40. I like the idea of that on top of the fact that he's six, four, I thought he would have been a tremendous special teams player, but I think that's where, I think that's where they pass up on him is his instant immediate impact is at, at special teams. At, at least JT Woods is, is competing for starting snaps. Um, I think the, I think my pick there, if I was in the war room, with TT, I would have, I think, been really, really high on the Perrion Winfrey train just to completely solidify this defensive line that we've been building. I, I thought it made a lot more sense than the D tackle we ended up taking uh, later in the round in, in Otito Ogbonia. Um, I really liked Perrion Winfrey. And then, what's his name? Also, let me, uh, let me slow you down real quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Tariq Woolen went in the fifth round. We're talking about third round draft picks he here. Slid. I mean, raw, 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 raw prospect, but I, I really liked him. And then the other player, Perry and Winfrey, went in the fourth round. I guess, you know, you could take a flyer. Uh, he ended up going, it looks like, 28, 30 picks later after after the Chargers picked in the third round. Well, and the next guy I was going to go to, which is just not a very big need, um, but I'm pretty sure he went in the third round. He, I might be wrong there, but Nicobe Dean was supposed to be was talked about as a first round, right? Who, yeah, who would have, who unlike those other guys, uh, would have got instant starting snaps. So where did where did Nicobe Dean go? And I mean, do you yeah. think Nicobe so Dean Nicobe would fill a bigger Dean. role than JT Woods? Nakobe Dean went five picks after the Chargers picked JT Woods. So when JT Woods, Greg Dulcich, Cordell Flott, D'Angelo Malone, and then Nakobe Dean. And he ended oh. up going to the Eagles, which is really interesting because we have a linebacker, a former Charger over there with the Eagles. They but- need a couple linebackers and they got two, uh, well, I won't call. Well, yeah, they got two really, really good ones. I was thinking they signed Uchenna, but they got Kaiser. Yeah, they did get Kaiser. Now they have Nakobe Dean, which is super, super good value. Uh, that's kind of an insane pick to me in that particular. 
uh, area. First of all, the Eagles get a linebacker, which they desperately needed in the third round. They ended up getting probably one of the better linebackers in this class. Uh, one th- last thing I want to touch on before we move off of the whole uh, third round, uh, Quay Walker was the first linebacker taken in the draft yeah. over Nakobe Dean, over Devin Lloyd. I didn't even see what linebackers went in the second round. Uh, that was kind of a, 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 an interesting pick, in my opinion, considering mm-hmm. you didn't even get the the, uh, the the captain of that Georgia defense who played the same position. That was insane to me as well. Absolutely insane. And I heard I, I love Daniel Jeremiah. I, I absolutely I think he's one of the greatest draft minds in, in the league right now. But when that pick came across, he goes, yeah, Quay Walker, that strength that was always going to get him picked uh, as the first linebacker off the board. I mean, says who? Like, look, look at your pre going into that. Your draft board had him, you know, not even three as the third linebacker in, in like the third round range. So, like, for him to say that live, I you think know, was just what, what it is. What, is he saw? He was like, oh snap! I have to say something about why this yeah, happened. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think it was definitely everybody thought that was a reach. Yeah, he was definitely just scrambling. Like, oh, I could totally have seen that. Going on here, I think it was more him being professional than being like, "What, what in the hell just happened?" So nobody expected Quay Walker to be a first round. Nobody did. Very few people may have thought he was going to be a second round draft pick. Maybe they saw the upside. The number of people that saw him kind of more in that third round range, I could have totally seen Quay Walker going to the Eagles with the eighty third over pick and a Kobe Dean going much much earlier. Didn't end up happening. Ultimately, what dropped Nakobe Dean, apparently his medical had some issues. I'm not saying it, it fully dropped him, but there was and, – and the size. Yeah. The size is is a major, major factor. Six foot, 220 pounds. Like, that's, that's a really light linebacker. That's a heavy cornerback. Like, there's – that that's what dropped Nakobe Dean is – he's not the prototypical linebacker you typically look at for that position. Well, and I was, uh, we, t- I talk about both Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker in our linebacker episode. I'm just going through my notes again. The dude is fast, six, four, 240 pounds. It runs a four or five 40, but I had him pegged as a third round pick at least in that, but that shows you how much, you know, I know how much, um, you know, how many GMs that I talk to on a daily basis, which is absolutely zero, but you know, you got to start somewhere. And, uh, one day, one day I'm going to be on that NFL network draft show and it's going to be glorious. Just wait, Tyler, just wait. I just, I thought it was really interesting to see him fall, uh, where he did. In my opinion, the player that I really liked at that spot there. It's not going to go over well with a lot of our listeners, but it was Uh-oh. running back Rashad White from Arizona State. I thought if you were going to grab a running back, a legit running back who can do a lot of different things for you, Rashad White, he's got the power and he's got the shiftiness. He is the change of pace back, but he's not just one pace. He can he can be one of the guys that goes and runs through the the you know the between the guard and the tackle or between the center and the guard but you can also throw him some sweeps. He's got some speed to him. I I think that when you're looking for a change of pace back who offers different paces, right? He's not just purely a power back. Uh, If anything, I'd say he's more of kind of a shifty, 
catch out of the backfield. Uh, he's one of those players that I, I really do think could end up turning into a true RB1. Ended up going in the third round. Uh, I can't remember exactly where because it's not loading right now. But Rashad White, I think that if you get your running back there, you can go and find a safety to, to get in um, the fourth round, fifth round. Uh, a player that I think that is going to play a, a pretty big, significant um, uh, part of your offense can be rolling through. Because I'm expecting our RB2, our new RB2, to take you know 150 carries next season. Uh, yeah. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm totally okay with drafting a third round running back in that situation because I think that's a vital part of your offense. Isaiah Spiller is going to fill that. Uh, I think Rashad White would have filled it better. Well, and then I guess just picking off back off of that, and then you know to speak on the newest Charger, who is Isaiah Spiller. Rashad White is not a Charger, so you can only be as big of a fan as of him as as, as you can um, supporting another team's player. Out of those 150 snaps, are they all going to Spiller? Are they split up three no, ways? No, I'm saying 150 carries, and Spiller's going to play. Probably 250 snaps. Yeah, I, I, I said, I did say, uh, but I meant carries. Out of those 150 carries, do you think they're all going to Spiller? Do you think Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly have a good offseason? Do you think they're even considered Larry, in this equation? Yeah. yeah, so I think Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly are going to end with the same number of carries. Uh, I think that their workload is going to get cut a little bit shorter. And I think... Uh, CJ Spiller is going to become the, I think it's going to be a very similar uh, percentage of, of carries uh, and, and total plays as Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon had when they were running mates together a few seasons ago. I think that Austin Eckler is probably going to get, uh, I would say 60% of the snaps, uh, 30% will go to CJ Spiller and then the last Isaiah remaining Spiller. 10. So J, we have JT Woods, we have JC Jackson, and CJ Spiller was an old Buffalo running back. We got yeah, Isaiah, yeah, yeah. Spiller. Isaiah Spiller. <laughs> That's I, how I we know we need that. to hop off the pot. <laughs> yeah, so Isaiah Spiller, I think, is going to carry 40% of that workload. And then you'll get 10% split between Roundtree and Joshua Kelly. So I think that's how it's going to work out. Uh, and like it. 40, 40% of those snaps, 30% of those snaps going to Isaiah Spiller. That's going to be a huge workload uh, for a running back because I think Austin Eckler is going to split out right. He's going to be taking jet sweep. He's going to be doing a lot of different things. Uh, and you need another back there who's going to get 100, 150 carries next season. As a rookie, I would have much rather seen that go to Rashad Watt. Well, let's end it on something positive for the Chargers. What yeah, did so you last like thing, about those first couple of rounds? Yeah, well, uh, I do like the fact that we found players that are going to play significant roles with our yeah. first three picks, even going as far as the fourth round. Uh, Isaiah Spiller is going to play a significant role. Uh, and and I kind of wanted to say one more thing, right, But before we, we go fully into that. Uh, other players that were available after Isaiah Spiller, just taking a look, uh, Neil Farrell, mm-hmm. we were both high on, ended up going a couple picks later. Uh, Pierre Strong was getting a lot of draft hype coming out of South Dakota State. 
another running back who ended up going to the Patriots. That's the most Patriot yeah. pick in the world. Um, they you love had running two backs. punters. You had two punters who went in the fourth round, and not a single one of them was named Matt Reza. It's crazy. Jordan stepped out from Penn State, and then a couple picks later, Jake Camarda from Georgia, one of the 15 Georgia players that were drafted in this. And Matt Reza ended up lasting to the sixth round. That was kind of head-scratching to me. Uh, the Bailey Zapp uh, was a quarterback from yeah. Western Kentucky, drafted by the New England Patriots in the fourth round. Uh, they now have five quarterbacks on their roster. I don't know which direction they're going there because I'm totally confused <laughs> by that whole situation. Uh, the first historically black college player to Kobe Durant was drafted the fourth round. Uh, first in this draft class, obviously. Uh, the only player on this board, I would say there's two, that I would take in the fourth round over Isaiah Spiller potentially. I'm not, I'm not saying I would. I'm just, I would think about it. I would legitimately think about a punter. Uh, Jake Camarda, uh, whether it's Jake Camarda, um, Jordan Stout, or Matt Reza, I think all three of them uh, are going to be significant in their kind of roles being punters for their football teams. Good enough to, to take two of them in the fourth round. That that makes sense to me. Uh, Calvin Austin is the other player that I really, really think about drafting in the fourth round. But when it, when you look at Calvin Austin on our receiving core, does he even play? That's tough. Um, he he definitely plays, but it, it's it's not. I don't think warrants the the pick there. Um, I get it. I, I know a lot of people were very very high on Calvin Austin, but you take you take you have to either bump Keenan out wide or or take him off the field, which is at this point in his career just not. Not doable. You're not going to take Keenan Allen can't off do the that. field. Uh, um, so I just don't think it. I just don't think ahead. it made sense. I just don't think it makes sense for this team um, where we're at in a win now mode. Uh, I, I I get where we were with Calvin Austin. Is he a great talent? Yes. Is he going to be really good in this in this league? Yes, probably, most likely. Just not with us, um, and that's a really big part of the NFL draft. You sometimes see very very good prospects go to the wrong place and if he came here it would be several years before he saw the playing time that a player like him deserves so um i just don't think it fits with this team and where we are at as in a win now mode if he comes to this team at best he's wide receiver three more than likely i, I think i drive the upside from josh palmer yeah and he ends up being wide receiver four and even so. in that situation, uh, as I think that he'd be more of a role player in comparison to the speed threat that we have in um, um, what's our wide receiver for his name? Josh Palmer. UDFA? No, the other guy, the speed guy. Uh, Jalen Guyton. Jalen Guyton. I think that he battles with Jalen Guyton for targets for snaps. I don't say, say that Calvin Austin is 100% better. Uh, I think Calvin Austin offers you a different skill set, but I don't necessarily know you taking Calvin Austin there 
as a fourth-round draft pick, the role that he has on this football team, when your top three guys, to me, are penciled in, I think Josh Palmer is your wide receiver three, and I think he he ends up taking uh, more targets this season because I think he's deserving of them because he showed a lot of promise last season, which gives me Calvin Austin as a, you know, player who's taking some jet sweeps every once in a while and barely touches the ball, maybe gives you some ability as a kick return, but he also forces you to carry six wide receivers when that might not be in the cards next season. We might only be carrying five. So I feel like it almost wastes yeah. a roster spot in, in a way. So that's the only other player. When you're looking at the players that were drafted kind of right behind him, again, outside of maybe Neil Farrell, I think Isaiah Spiller was the right pick. I like it. Uh, we're talking about a, a team in the Chargers who we need people that are going to play significant minutes. And at the at, at, at all of the really top positions, we are loaded. And so we're looking at people to supplement that, you know, to supplement injuries and to be able to contribute and complement the superstars that we already have. So I, I like Isaiah Spiller. I think he accomplishes that more so than a Calvin Austin. I agree with you. Next week, we're going to break down the Chargers' fifth, sixth, uh, two-sixth, and their seventh-round draft pick. Uh, they also made a trade. They traded away uh, their two seventh-round draft picks this year for a future six. I think that's just out of the, the fact that they just didn't need that many more guys on the roster. Uh, trade those away. They, they ended up having way too many picks than they knew what to do with. Uh, I'm excited to, to break down some of these players. I thought that there was two players in particular uh, that are very interesting to the Chargers' depth chart. Uh, we'll break them down next week. Any closing remarks, Zach? Uh, yeah. Um, just watched the beginning of the Warriors game, and like I said, I knew it was going to be a physical game. In the first five minutes, the Memphis Grizzlies Dylan Brooks just got ejected for a very, very aggressive <laughs> foul on uh, the Warriors player. He, he looked like he broke his arm. He did not break his arm. I got to go watch the rest of this game. Sorry. Uh, but I, I love all of our listeners, and I'm really excited for this Charger team in 2022. We, I think we got a lot of good pieces. And like I was saying before, they complement our, our team very, very well. So I'm excited hey, to see we're not done. what they can do. We just no, signed Bryce no. Callahan. We're still adding. We signed Bryce pieces. Callahan. I missed that. Yeah, we signed Bryce Callahan today. So once you go and take a look at that, he is now your cornerback four, uh, and your cornerback qu- four. That's, he's your quarterback four, three or said, four. You said when we were talking about the corner. I, I oh man. Bryce Callahan, yeah, let's go. We have Bryce Callahan on the roster. I really glad like I could close too. that off. Yeah, that's uh, big. Woo-woo. And I'll talk to you guys next week. All right.